Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. Dean, uh, we're we're pretty big into online shopping, right? We like online shopping. Yeah, yes, maybe yes. me a little more than you. You, mm, you yes. seem to like that brick and mortar experience. Well, still. yeah, you know, I like to get out of the house more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't like to get out of the house so much. <laughs> Not really. This, this is about the extent of how much I like hey, to get out of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, buying clothes. Yes. Can be kind of a hassle. A little bit. Especially if you're shopping online. Oh, for but sure. But even in stores. Yeah, even in stores. It can be a bit of a, a yeah. hassle these yeah. days. Finding yeah. the right mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Uh, getting sizes right, that part yeah. can be tough. Especially yeah. even in store again. Like, yeah. It's not always easy. You go in, you nope. look for something, and you're nope. like, all right, I like this, but it's not the right size. Or I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of the changing room. No. No, yeah, I just okay. like it's yeah. just never been a little a, too old school for you. Maybe I don't know. I, just, I don't know. Like you I just know. never felt like super comfortable about taking a bunch of clothes into. A you know room what I don't like doing? Changing it in and out like yeah, crazy. you got to take in like you know just huddles of yeah, clothes. Yeah, exactly. Like, boom, it's just it's a down. lot of time. Now you're in there for it's a half lot of work, hour. and yeah. you might get something. You're like, yeah, this seems fine. And you get it home and you wash it and you put it on. And you're like, nah, this no, wasn't didn't work. It's not actually actually right at all. Well, the reason why we're talking about this, you know, is we're we're kicking off our new season here on the podcast. Is some really cool, interesting technology around smart fit. I like it. To make sure that you find the right fit. Yes. What, you know, what, what fits your body mm-hmm. right, what actually works right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have Hanif Brown on with us today yep. from uh, fitmatch.ai. Yes. yes. Uh, they're a, a company Intel brought to us. That's right. Recommended yes. uh, mm-hmm. because they have this cool, interesting technology. One of these things I feel like we've kind of always wanted and sort of talked about yep yep but didn't but know, i didn't know someone was actually doing it and now we know <laughs> it's here uh so we're going to explain where the need for this technology is beyond yep. what we've talked about here obviously yeah we're going to explain 3d shape matching that's why they, Ooh, what they call our technology how nice. that works yeah uh, we're going to get into the returns of it all because uh, you know it's it's return season yeah and something like this might actually be able to help out minimize mitigating some that of that returns yes yes bit. yes mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get into the hardware that enables this solution and he's going to talk to us a little bit about their relationship relationship with Intel. Oh, and then nice. we're going to explain a little bit about, you know, why they're jumping into the channel, what yeah, they're looking yeah, for in yep. bars. You know, it's, So resellers pay attention. Yeah, yes, exactly. Pay attention. If you're yep. looking to get out there and uh, win some new opportunities and have a cool new partner on mm-hmm, your side, mm-hmm. this is the kind of episode you're supposed to be paying attention to. So. I like it. Uh, all that, again, usual value of the VAR. What's tech connecting with us? It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. As I mentioned, our guest today is Hanif Brown. He is the founder and CEO of FitMatch. Uh, Hanif, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate having you on the show. I guess, first of all, I want to know a little bit about your background, because I always feel like when we encounter these cool emerging technology software companies, usually the person we're talking to has some kind of interesting background that led them where they are and led them to this particular company in this discussion. So give us your backstory and history. Absolutely. Thanks for firstly having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so my backstory is, is, is quite boring, actually. Um, <laughs> so I went to college and then after college, uh, I decided to go work on Wall Street and I worked at an investment bank and I worked in an industry group for retail and consumer. So very early on out of college, I was analyzing retail and consumer companies. I was looking at their balance sheets, looking at their P&Ls, understanding how they scaled, understanding what differentiates them, both in the public and the private markets. And then I went to work in private equity, but again, surprise, surprise, I worked for a private equity company that had um, a concentration in retail and consumer. So there I spent about five years analyzing companies, what deciding what the firm should invest in, this, deciding how much they should pay for these companies. And through there and at towards the end of my experience at the firm, I started to look a lot at the discount retailer space. So let me describe what that is. This is not like off price like TJ Maxx or it's it's the what I would call the true discount space. And right in that area, they're right in that sort of part of the market, returns are the worst, right? Because they are selling uh, garments, they're selling usually apparel categories that has come all the way downstream in the funnel. And it was through that experience of analyzing companies in that space that I really encountered a problem of 
what we're trying to solve at FitMatch firsthand. And what is that problem? That problem is the art of buying garments, the art of buying clothes. Um, it is pretty backward, right? It was invented many, many decades ago um, for one purpose, and it hasn't really evolved into the new area or the new arena of shopping, which is people use their phones, people go online, and of course people go into stores, but they just want a different experience. And it was through that experience of sort of looking at the problem firsthand from first principles, really at the ground level, which I, which I call the discount retail space, that I saw how bad it was, right? So John, for example, if you buy something and you spend your time, let's say looking for it online or in a store, and it doesn't fit, well, you've now wasted your time, right, trying to find it. Someone else at the retailer has to take that garment that you no longer want. They have to actually repurpose it for sales. If it doesn't sell, then they have to push it down into the market. And so many people are touching these products, and eventually a lot of them go into the landfill. And so today, fashion accounts for more greenhouse gas emissions than international flights and shipping combined. This is a huge problem of waste, and at FitMatch, we're targeting this problem firsthand. I like it. I love, love the it. innovation and the entrepreneurialism. Yeah, yes? yeah. You said you had right. a boring background. Yeah, I mean, boring. Come on, like I, I mean, was on Wall Street. Yeah, you know, just Wall Street, <laughs> private equity, <laughs> private equity. You know, spent yeah. a lot of time working in retail, yeah. playing, you know, working yeah. with retailers, figuring yeah. out how they work, understanding oh, um, the business. Yeah, yeah no, right. no, that's that's good stuff. That's 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 important. Say say my background's boring. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is one that actually makes sense and uh, gets you where you need to be. All right, so you know, I, I think you know we we need to start talking a little bit here about the the technology that led you here and where you saw that need. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of answered that a little bit in your introduction, but maybe explain a little bit more about, you know, what got you there to mm-hmm. this idea of shape matching the smart fit technology. And I'll just tell folks that are listening, you know, right now, or maybe just watching at home, follow along with us by go to fitmatch.ai. It's all one word, F-I-T-M-A-T-C-H.ai. Your website does a great job laying this stuff out and kind of showing you what it all looks like. So I recommend yeah, checking exactly. there. But but help us out a little bit here, understanding again, you know, where 3D shape matching fits in, how it works, and how it's kind of you know solving some of these problems that you mentioned earlier about what's going on in apparel retail and the returns aspect. Absolutely. So you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said this seems like something we all need, and this seems like something we all needed for a very long time. But it hasn't been solved before because it's a very hard problem to solve, right? You are there. You're a 3D person, right? You are actually not a 2D person. You're not a, you don't have, you don't walk around with measurements all over you to tell the brand what to, you know, what you should buy. So first, the technology has to be there to basically encapsulate something in 3D, right? Which is very hard to do. And so at FitMatch, what we decided to do was take a revolutionary approach to this problem. In fact, if you really rewind, the technology that we're commercializing today was started about probably 10 years ago, um, and it was patented. And then now, recently, over the last three or four years, we've been commercializing it in market. So let me tell you how it works. Instead, you ever go to a website, right, and you see these sizing charts, and it asks you, hey, are you a are you a 32 inch waist or a 34 inch waist or whatever? And then you have to kind of use that sizing chart to estimate what size you are. Like, have you, do you know? What oh, I'm yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Use and, it all the time. And, I, and yeah. I never know that in those no. numbers. I'm sorry. That's just not something I, I keep track or of. Or per brand. It, it never yeah, works, exactly. You know. They can change per brand. A 32 and yeah. a Levi is totally different in a Nike. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. And within brand, for different SKUs, for different styles, it changes, right? And these sizing charts are not meant to be precise. They're meant to be like broad things that you look at for directions, right? And so we know that these things are not precise, right? So what we actually said is like, instead of trying to make those imprecise things better, what if you just like eliminate them altogether? And so we basically derived this methodology, um, which is called basically 3D mapping, which says, if I know a scan of someone, let's say her name is Jessica, there are about 3 billion other people on the planet that could be very similar to Jessica. So what if I know information on different people, right? And I can actually use 3D technology to find Jessica's digital twin. And so the unlock for us is that we have collected from working with different retailers and brands, 
a whole database of digital twins, people who could be very similar to Jessica. And then we actually use 3D technology by asking Jessica in a fitting room to take a 3D scan. So this is something that people are doing in doctor offices now. This is something being done in fitness and gyms. So this is becoming a ubiquitous front-end use case where people are scanning themselves. And we take that 3D scan and we use shape information through our patented technology to find out who Jessica's digital twin is. And because we work with the likes of Macy's and retailers like Savage X Fenty, we can actually go figure out who's, uh, who is our digital twin. And because we know information on those digital twins, we know what sizes they are, we know what products they've already tried on, we can then use that information to make a recommendation to Jessica in that fitting room in under 30 seconds. So it's a revolutionary approach because we're doing away with sizing charts, we're doing away with people trying to guess, and most importantly, we're doing away with bringing to that fitting room 10 things in your hand because you're going to go try on every size in the garment because you don't know their size. We're moving into a future where on your phone or through an iPad or through some sort of sensor, um, you can actually get this information at your fingertips and then use it to make much more educated decisions as to what sizes to buy and what products you um, to purchase at scale. Nice. So I like it. And uh, Henny, just go a little bit deeper on, on your technology and why you patented it in a certain way. So my understanding is you take a scan, but you're comparing it to a, a database of models, for, for lack of a better term. Uh, so you're not taking the personally identifiable information, I guess, right? Um, and, and utilizing that. Um, that's an interesting concept, right? So somewhere out there, I've got a digital twin in, <laughs> in the thousands of bodies that are in your database. Is that is that it? Is that? Yeah. And the patented methodology is not the comparison to the twin. It's the, it's the actual method of finding the twin. So for example, there's a whole bunch of ways that we sort the avatar points. I won't go into too much details, but there are ways that we actually encode the shape information that can basically map that avatar to other similar avatars in our database. That's the method that we patented. And then finding the right one and then pulling up that profile of your twin is something that basically we have engineered and coded. Um, into that whole experience. So this is a, we really take a step back from all the technology. What we're basically saying is if I know Jessica's scan and I know her twin and I know what's in the closet of her twin, then presumably that closet can be marketed to Jessica as garments that, and apparel items that she should buy as well and especially around the fit because her twin actually tried it on and fit it before. And that's the whole premise of what we're building. And the beautiful thing about this, as you know, it's data and AI. So the more data we get, the better able we are to one, find Jessica's twin, but then two, make very accurate recommendations around what Jessica should buy as well. Can I dig I like a little this. bit deeper on the technology itself? I mean, and I don't want to go into anything that is too... Is, you know, patented or, or proprietary. Or proprietary. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. But are, are you using the camera? Is it, is it, is that what we're, we're talking about here or what is the yeah, technology? So Just for on a the front end, we're leveraging uh, sensors. Okay. Um, so we're um, not collecting optical images or videos of people. We're collect, we're using um, LIDAR sensors to collect point clouds, anonymized point clouds off Jessica in this instant, right? And so when you actually look at it from a cybersecurity and a data privacy um, angle, we're not actually storing any information that is deemed to be uh, extremely private in terms of a photo or a video. That was, that's what makes us very unique. We only need like a point cloud, which is basically like a, uh, an anonymized avatar of you to do this comparison um, to really make it scale. So that's what we need on the front end. We need these sensors. And why Intel is such a great partner is they have the sensors. Their RealSense um, portfolio has amazing sensors um, that can do this at scale in retail fitting rooms. And it can actually be customized to the fitting room itself. So depending on the dimensions, depending on the actual um, size and where the fitting room is, 
we can find the right set of sensors from Intel's portfolio to actually perform this task in the fitting room at scale. That's what we need on the front end. On the back end, we leverage a whole bunch of other infrastructure to make this happen. So we actually use neural networks. Um, we actually uh, uh, provide the matches uh, via our cloud infrastructure. Um, and uh, But at the same time, end to end, uh, we actually don't need a lot of extra uh, equipment or customized materials to actually bring this to life at scale um, for retailers. No, very cool. Yeah. So, and then comparing it to other technologies out there. I mean, this that that's brilliant, right? And but this is going to be a lot better than the uh, old measure, right? Oh, I, yeah. you know, like I, mean, I can imagine when you walk into the old school no, retail, no more awkward people measuring you in weird places, <laughs> and yeah, I, I imagine you would wrapping be one around you never love to be fitted no, for no. a tuxedo. I, let's put it this way: I have very few fitted clothes for that very reason. <laughs> <laughs> or to your point, optical scanning, like using imagery of some sort, right? Uh, so we're not doing that in compared to other no. ones, right? And that was a big thing because what we're thinking about is scale. And so the retailers that we're working with, um, typically they have um, a significant footprint, right? And so we need to consider scale and uh, cybersecurity and things that will work not at a minimum, um, but really across their whole portfolio. And one of the areas that we know up front is privacy. And so for us, it was very important to find the right partner that had the right set of tools that would enable us to collect these, what we call these scans, without ever trying to collect photos, videos, or anything like that off people, because we know that that's a blocker to scale, and some people, quite frankly, would not like that. And we've built our entire platform to be very private and secure in that manner. Gotcha. So I, 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 now I have an idea of the front end. Walk us through the back end a little bit. So you, now you, I've got this scan. I'm in your system. I'm in the fitting room at a, whatever. You name the retailer uh, location. Are you using digital signage now or interactive displays to now put on different outfits on me or my avatar? Or is this now going to the phone? Or is it both? kind of a thing or so what we want to do is we actually want because we know right that no one person does all their shopping online and all their shopping in stores typically right for most people you're doing it a hybrid you're doing some in store and some online and so we want to create this profile of you right so what we can do is on the back end for each person we can attach like a unique scan id to your account so that this information via an API can be pushed, whether you're shopping online and it can show up as a widget in the site, it can be in your email, to really help you, guide you through what to buy. Or let's say you come back into the store, guess what, the associate already has your profile, you would have access to this via the brand's app, and you can actually go now pick up the item that you need, potentially without even going into the fitting room anymore. It gives you that confidence. So really on the back end, what we have is an infrastructure that can provide these matches to the person, to the actual shopper um, instantaneously to, to their emails or obviously to the um, person's account via the, an app, for example. Or it can even be leveraged by the store associates where they have access to it so they can go grab you the item that you need in order to make the purchase. Brilliant. Yep. See, if I'm a solution integrator, and these are exactly the kind of companies out there that are on these cutting edge technologies that, of course, this is this is the kind of shopping experience that people want. Right. The ability to go in there, have it customized to me, you know, through through this type of technology, interact with it. And also. So, yeah, brilliant. Fits a lot of buckets. I I love this. I I, when I you know, when we had our call last week, I was, you know, checking on your site and looking at the ideas. And I was talking to my wife about it. My wife is kind of like, well, nobody really tries things on anymore you know mm, they just yeah, right. either again either they just go and grab a bunch of stuff and maybe try on something and then grab a bunch of other colors or you shop online buy like 12 of something and see what fits and send the rest back and i and i started thinking about myself i was looking through my closet the other day and just thinking like you know typically for me if i'm buying any kind of shirt for instance it's xl i'm just i'm buying mm-hmm, xl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i'm also like you know i'm a guy who is tall right but not necessarily skinny and scrawny right 
Yep. You know, I've yep. got like a bit of a you're long unique, torso. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, that's and that's just it. Like, because I, I feel like there's a there's a big part of the conversation around fashion and apparel these days about unique body types, body types, especially mm-hmm. again for women. You know, mm-hmm. women have mm-hmm. always been you know the ones shoved into like boxes and trying to figure out where they fit. When again, nobody's bodies are like, but yeah, men are the right. same way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it can be something as simple as shirts, you know, like I can look in my closet and see like, all right, all these are XLs, but mm-hmm. for some reason, half of them, you know, stop here and the other half are down to here, yeah. you know, right. they're just yeah. not the right lengths yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I love this whole digital twinning concept. I love this idea of finding that person out there who is a, a John size person who is tall, but not necessarily super skinny, has a long torso of some sort, you know, like long legs or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean... We're dealing with this stuff with our kid right now. Oh, you know, for sure. just like yeah. you know, I yeah, mean, yeah. And granted, they grow like weeds anyway. But yeah. Yeah. you know, my son's already reaching that point where, you know, he's still small, but he's got ridiculously long legs. And it's hard <laughs> to find pants that are long enough. I, so I'm I'm a big fan of this stuff. I think there's this is one of those very smart use cases for mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. Where, to your point, I love the idea of being able to shop around and something picks up. Like, hey, we've already got you know your twin, you know, figured out. We know what's probably going to fit you. What what of our random size scale <clears throat> is going to work for mm-hmm, you? Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, here's some other stuff that we suggest that people just like you yeah, buy right. and enjoy yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that is a huge selling factor, I think, to go to retailers and say, like, not only are you going to mm-hmm. help someone find the right fit the first time, mm-hmm. but you're going to find out some really smart ways to build their cart and make it a little mm-hmm, bit bigger mm-hmm. and add some more stuff in there and upsell mm-hmm. a bit when you can we, recommend products to them. Absolutely. And what we see so far in terms of impact is really threefold, right? Um, if you actually look at a survey and you ask shoppers what they care the most about when shopping for clothes, especially it's price, but that's true for any category, right? <laughs> and it's fit. And fit is even more important than style. So where we see our technology having in fitting rooms, the biggest impact today across our deployments is really threefold. The first is the consumers who use it, they convert at a much higher rate than consumers who don't, right? Because these are consumers who are um, more willing to buy, they're high intent, they're more confident. And so they're buying even more units per transaction. So we see higher UPT um, through the technology um, once shoppers actually do it. The second one that you mentioned is returns. They return significantly less. So we see about an 80% drop and return rates for shoppers who do this tech, whether they're buying in-store or whether they use the tech online to complete their purchase. And then the third and most, what I would call uh, for a retailer, the important thing that they concern themselves around is loyalty. So shoppers who do this are significantly more likely to sign up for a loyalty program and they're significantly more satisfied. So when they actually complete their net promoter score surveys, after they do this experience, we see significantly higher NPS than shoppers who don't. And so this is already showing pretty strong impact in the retail channel. And now it's our duty to create it with partnerships so that we can scale it um, across the ecosystem. There's the data right there. And I'm going to pull it from your website. 6X in conversion rates, 80% drop in returns, two times more loyalty signups. So when you think about the conversion rate, yeah, it's all about conversion if you're in retail. You get them in, you got to convert that into as many possible sales as you can. And that makes total sense. I got my digital twin. Okay, now I get comfortable with what I tried on. And now I know what to go for, you know, type of thing. And I can see it. Brilliant. And then the whole, the, the returns thing, which obviously you you touched on Hanif early on, you know about how how wasteful it is, you know, uh, just the return process. And I've commented like that's the way people are shopping right oh, now. Yeah. Is oh, I'm just going to bring everything in and then I'm going to return a bunch of right, stuff that, right. that I'm not going to use. I mean, yeah. how wasteful, right? And and people, we all understand that. But if I knew it was going to be a better fit or had that, you know. Uh, confidence, you know, through this, that's, see, that's, this is clearly where I think this world is going to go. Yeah. Right. Time. Yeah. You know, and adding on to the returns part here, you know, <clears throat> we did a survey <clears throat> not that long back with oh, retail yeah. executives, especially yeah, 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 yeah. In, in brick and mortar and e-commerce and on the, like, you know, the supply chain side and a couple of alarming statistics that came out of that, which again, reinforces why this is so important to cut down on those returns. Mm. 
56% of the respondents we talked to said that 1% to 5% of items go missing in their returns process yearly. <laughs> 21% said 6 to 10% are going missing. Just going missing. You might think like, oh, those are low numbers. But when you think of the oh volume my gosh, no, this is, yeah. of oh, returns yeah. and you think of how much, again, you know, we're at that time of year right now. This is post-holidays mm-hmm. when this episode is coming out. It's post-holidays. Mm-hmm. Everybody is returning stuff that they got for Christmas. That's the and wrong size. And you're telling size. me 6 to 10% of that? And yeah, 21 imagine percent, that. Poof, gone. 6 to 10% just not even making it back. You know, so, I mean, the ideal <laughs> being very that you don't want to, you know, you don't want this stuff having to get returned at all because obviously you're, ideally you're getting the right thing from the beginning. Well, so imagine you're a solution integrator walking in and saying, we can reduce that by 80%. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And on, as part of that survey, the apparel companies in particular specifically said that damaged and lost in transit returns were their biggest concerns. So mm. it's not even so much the fact that the returns are coming back, mm-hmm. they're not either, either they're not getting something back at all because it's getting lost in transit, mm-hmm. or something's coming back damaged, damaged. which means they can't, can't resell, resell it, it again. Yeah, yeah. So again, if you cut that problem out at the beginning, and I, you know, I think about this and like the loyalty part that you mentioned, Anif, that's something I think it really stands out to me too, because that is an aspect where the first time you go somewhere and they do this kind of nice fit match for you mm-hmm. and figure out exactly what is the right kind of fit for you and your body type. And you get it, and you're like, "This is this is perfect. I love this." Mm-hmm. The expectation is these guys are going to be able to do this for me the next time I go mm-hmm. there too. Mm-hmm. I'm suddenly more likely to become a very loyal customer of That's that right. particular yeah. retailer I can because see that, I know sure. that every time I go there, they're going to give me something that fits me right. Or if they recommend something to me, it's because they also know that that's going to work for me. That is that can be a huge yeah, as, aspect of mm-hmm. of, of as shoppers we're, or consumers, right? We tend to tie not only our loyalty, but our perception of a brand or a service to, you know, the experience that we go through, right? If it was just about a transaction, just think about it, right? Then it's just a race to the bottom for price. But when you are paying up for something, especially in retail, you expect an experience with it. And so even store associates, they love our tool too. Because think of, it helps them sell more. It helps them interact with the guest. It's data at their fingertips that they can use to help enhance the sale process too. So I think overall we're seeing that this is a mutually um, beneficial product, both to the retailer as well as to the shopper. And um, now it's about our ability to continue to iterate and make the product even better as we scale. Yeah, very yeah, nice. Yep. So let's talk quickly, maybe a little more hardware stuff here. And we've already kind of mentioned, you know, the idea of the sensors, maybe some cameras, potentially digital displays also to help people, you know, pick out the right clothes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere else where, you know, you feel like your solution helps maybe enable our, our VARs to sell more hardware? I'm thinking things like maybe like, you know, mobile computers or a tablet that, you know, an associate can be out there. Again, you know, helping, you know, moderate this conversation about what's going to fit them. Is there any like ties to like the point of sale hardware potentially? Where else can hardware fit in with your solution? Yeah, it's really three three things, right? So it's the integration at the POS level, because really what we want to do is basically have this in a way that it's seamless um, in terms of checkout, right? Like we want to say, for example, not only here's something that fits, but here is something that fits and it's on the floor, right? Versus here's something that fits that's not even on the floor, or it's not on the floor, but you can purchase online as well. So the whole integration on the POS level is is key. The second one is tablets, right? So as I mentioned before, the store associate now has the ability to have this incremental feature at their fingertips. And what we see is that once it's visible to them, they have immense success in upselling the consumer, right? There are three things you're already gonna buy. Oh, this thing fits as well. And have you considered it? You know, why not just buy it now as well? Because you know it fits. Um, and the third way, third one is digital displays in the actual booth itself, or in the actual experience, or outside the experience. So right now we do a lot of work with Elo screens, and we basically have a Nook-powered experience where we can actually feed the matches and feed the um, the actual technology onto that. ELO experience. And what we see is that consumers, some of them really love it. They play with their avatars because they can actually spin it around. They can actually zoom in um, on it. They sometimes can scroll up and down so they can see the matches there. Because once you actually do this, you have a heightened expectation of the results, right? So being able to show it to them on digital displays 
also increases the results as well. So those are kind of the three areas on the hardware side where we see incremental value being provided um, through, you know, uh, sales. Man, Love if it. that doesn't pique the interest of some of our yeah. sellers out there, do we know ELO? Who's that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think so? Just, just maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we sell just a couple of their just, uh, just a few. To yeah. Solution yeah. integrators all the time. But see, I mean, this is the like I said, this is the type of experience that people want, yeah. right? So we're yeah. enabling them in a unique way in the fitting rooms or uh, in their ability there, and then the associates, of course, uh, the ability to you know utilize tablets or things of that nature, make that an, a, a wonderful experience. And oh, by the way, due to the modularity of the Elo device, you could probably have a payment mm-hmm. uh, terminal right there and take mm-hmm. a payment. But anyway, um, of course, you know, and now we're enabling, oh, you were looking at this top. Well, this bottom happens to fit with this. And right. oh, by the way, kind of a thing. It, it's just it's exactly where I think, you know, the shopping experience is going to go. This might actually get technology. me back out into stores. More oh, often. come on now. That's a bold <laughs> claim right there. I'm telling you, if I went somewhere that you had the kind of clothes that I like and yep. they were able to yep. do this kind of shape matching technology yep. Yep. and, and yep. All right. make sure that everything I get looks good and yep. fits and then, well. And then you got your avatar. Yeah, right? you got. Yeah, you. I would. I would be that guy having fun with that. I'd be like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know. Like, I'd be having <laughs> a lot of fun stuff. with that. That'd yeah, be yeah. fun. Yeah. Right. Well, let's wrap up here to talk a little bit about your relationship with Intel. You mentioned them earlier, and you know the sensor aspect of what they're doing mm, there. Yeah. Now, obviously, we always perk up whenever Intel comes to us and says, "Hey, we've got this cool yeah. new yeah. software partner we're working with, doing some interesting new tech. You know, you should talk to them." We're like, "Yeah, sure," and they inevitably end up being fascinating conversations. So, mm. talk a little bit more about that relationship. What you know, what brought you into them? What drew you? guys to working together and how's that relationship working out? Yeah, um, it's been over a year in the making with our relationship with Intel. It started out with us being pretty inquisitive and just asking uh, what I would call more annoying questions. Um, And we were just pleasantly surprised at how welcoming they were to helping us build a product. Um, We actually came to them with a brand that wanted a specific product or need. So that really helped the conversations because it wasn't like we were spitballing, but we were like, well, we have a deadline and this is what the brand wants. This is what the retailer wants and we need it. And that really evolved into a much broader relationship with the Intel team. They provided us with technical support, um, with obviously commercial support, um, with R&D, really across several facets. So one is the RealSense team, as I mentioned, because they have the portfolio of sensors that um, uh, we use and there's some confidential um, projects that we have coming up but that team is amazing in testing and helping us see the results even before the sensors um, sometimes are, are purchased by the retailer or even by us for testing then of course there is kind of the the, the commercial side of the business which really helps with everything from ensuring that the project goes off to a smooth start that different people in the business are aware of what we're doing um, and everything like that. And then there's a technical team. So a lot of what we're doing now is really pushing the technology to the limit in terms of getting it to be so quick, right? When when you go in, we want you to go in and come out as quickly as possible, right? And so things around edge computing, um, leveraging OpenVINO, which is their amazing you know, um, infrastructure that we're using. Um, their technical team is helping us continue to drive innovation and improve the product. And so overall, what we consider Intel to be is this massive you know, juggernaut in the ecosystem that has all these tentacles that we need to make this the best possible solution in the market and obviously commercialize it as broadly as possible. Really awesome. well said. Their intelligent a- edge AI stuff is mm-hmm. is it's good stuff, and and obviously we're partnered up with them too. And in use cases like this, where you know, obviously the end users and things of that nature are looking for these types of business outcomes. They know that they need them. Uh, solution integrators need to develop these types of solutions. We all need to bring them to market to yeah. enable it. So it's good stuff. And man, he just tipped up, topped on all every single aspect <laughs> of Intel's bringing you know the technical support, the engineering, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, good good connections. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing else really for me to add there. Yeah, you right. know, as always, go back and look at some of our previous episodes we've done <laughs> with right. folks at yep. Intel. We've yep. had stuff about retail modernization, optimization, AI, mm-hmm. all this stuff weaves together and is telling this story about how they're going out there and helping our VARs develop these market-ready solutions. And Through get out great there. ISVs like and, this. And exactly, and yeah, have folks. these fantastic yep. partners that are really bringing new cutting-edge technology out to market. For with sure, them, so. yeah. 
All right. Hey, before we wrap things up here and uh, Hanif gives you a little bit of insight into, you know, how uh, he wants to work with our VARs and where you guys might be able to develop some opportunities together. First, as always, a big thank you to all of our sponsors here on the Tech Connect podcast. Yes. We appreciate you, uh, your ongoing support with us as we kick off another year of this podcast. This is our fifth year fifth that we're year. starting yes, off here. Sir, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're busy. We're busy, busy, busy on this show. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it and for supporting our Tech Connect program as well, which brings in a amazing ISVs into the channel again like Fitmatch companies mm-hmm. like Fitmatch mm-hmm. thanks of course to Intel for you know bringing Hanif to our attention and for sponsoring our programs as well hey if you like the show you got to tell us as always i'm always asking for this stuff you know, we need that little bit of reinforcement from time to time. Mm-hmm. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave us a quick comment. Tell us what you think about this stuff. Yep. Tell us what your crazy measurements are that you have trouble finding when you go out. Maybe maybe you don't want to share that. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, maybe, maybe you can tell us some kind of story about a time you couldn't find the right fit. Uh, and then uh, see how this technology works out for you in the nice. future. Yeah. And as always, if you want to te- uh, get in touch with us, give us your ideas for episodes or just ask us questions, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here, first of all, with our value to the VAR. This is our way of giving a bit of a takeaway yes. for our, our yes. listeners of mm-hmm. something they can do immediately. And I figured this, in this instance, it's figuring out, you know, how they actually yes. are going to work with FitMatch and, and go out and, and, you know, win some business with their retail apparel customers. So what are you looking for in the reseller channel as you guys are trying to break in here and coming in with the the, the cloud of Intel behind you? What are you expecting from VARs and what are they going to get out of partnering with you? No, absolutely. So look, at the end of the day, it's about the value that we bring to their customers, the value that we bring to the ecosystem. That's where it starts. And so what we want to do, what we're expecting out of the engagement, out of the relationship is engagement, right? We want, uh, it's a new relationship for us. We want to hear from them. We want to hear what's working or what could work at scale, what doesn't work um, and what we need to adjust or fix. Um, We're listeners first and foremost. So out of the, you know, what we're trying to build is an engagement funnel that we can hear um, and and actually uh, adjust on our end and provide the right product and the right set of features to the market. Um, what we think they can get from us is an amazing product, an amazing set of solutions. We've spent a lot of time not only thinking about, um, as I said, the product itself, but how it scales and how it interacts with more uh, a broader suite of products like the Elos that we use, the Nooks, the uh, the actual tablets, the POS integration. So we believe that through us, they can go to their partners, they can go to the different retailers in the ecosystem and really present a cutting edge solution that we know is very top of mind for these executives. It's on all their roadmaps, whether it's sustainability or continuing to improve conversions or generating a more differentiated in-store experience. COVID has changed that, right? So before COVID, everyone was doing one thing. Now, coming out of COVID, consumers expect a different experience if they're going to go into a store. So through us, what we believe the bars can offer is a much more differentiated story that encapsulates many things. It's not just the fitting room, but it's all the other things that make it even possible. And hopefully between those two things, uh, we can have a very symbiotic, I would say, relationship with with the community. Absolutely. If you're a value-added reseller or a solution integrator, you want to be the trusted advisor. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. So, you know, having an Intel-backed ISV that's getting into the space that you know is going to be right, happening, right? right? Uh, and enabling you to do additional sales yourselves through ELO monitors or tablet cells, or if you're the POS uh, integrator, well, now you've just found yet another perfect marriage of additional data that you're bringing to the table yeah. uh, and, and connecting them to. So it's good stuff there right yeah, yeah this to me this feels like a a little bit of a low mm-hmm. lift like a, some low-hanging fruit if you will yeah, right to go out into this market knowing that there is an obvious need again i don't know how you i don't know how you could have possibly listened to this episode and not thought to yourself oh yeah i know yeah. oh that ain't like, gonna happen that, yeah like yeah. like <laughs> I, I know there's a problem out there i've experienced it myself yeah. there is a need it's yep. very clear i mean there's not too many times when 
there's a a product need that you don't have to put a lot of effort, I think, into explaining why someone would need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, a big part of a salesperson's yeah. job sometimes is being able to go to somebody and say, all right, I'm, I want to sell you something. I've got to figure out how to talk you into that something you need or how to figure out how to explain well, to you why you're, and, and you're, honestly, you need this. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going into not even just the tier one retail, all the way down, you know, they all have ESG policies. Everybody's trying to do the yeah. right thing as it yeah. relates to the environment. There's a if lot of angles if here. They're, yeah. If they're connecting with you, and being that trusted advisor, hey, have you heard of anything out there that can help? Oh, by the way, I got something that maybe would uh, you know cut your drop in returns by eighty yeah. percent. Yeah. You interested in something like that? It's like, uh, yeah. You want to improve your loyalty? <laughs> you want to cut back on your returns? Yeah. Yeah. You want to make the in-store so, shopping experience better? Right. No one's going to say no to any yeah. of those things. No. Like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. I, I so, want everybody anyway. to have a miserable time when you're here. Yeah. I like losing six percent of my returns every year. It's fine. You know, I'm good. <laughs> no, no one's going to do that. No one's gonna do that. That's a good good partnership to have out there. That's right. That's Right. All right. Well, hey, if you do want to partner up with FitMatch, don't yes. hesitate to reach out to us. Reach out to David Lester, our Intel BDM. That's right. Yep. Uh, your yep. your good guy. Uh, Blue Star account manager. We'll get you hooked up. We'll get, get you, you connected. Yep. In touch with Anif and his team to uh, talk about some solutions you guys mm-hmm. can work on together. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Let's wrap up as always with our favorite segment: What's Tech Connecting with You? This is where we just get to talk about something in the world of tech, innovation, science, some kind of random something like that. Story yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Business yep. discovery yep. that. We just feel like chatting about today. So, Hadith, we'll let you kick off here. What's Tech Connecting with you right now? I wanted to get your opinion and talk a little bit about the open AI drama. Yes. That then unfolded a couple of weeks ago. I guess in the AI tech community, it was hugely um, what I would call interesting. And what has come out after it was is even more interesting because there was a period of like one week where no one knew what was happening. Uh, and it has so much ramifications. Remember, Microsoft invested $10 billion in this in this company. And then overnight, the CEO got fired. Um, and, and, and then, you know, ChatGPT may or may not anymore and like there's all these like ramifications that came out of it and then one week later he's back (laughs) there's a new board (laughs) and all these rumors as to why uh it happened and i just thought it it will make for a very fascinating case study one day on corporate governance and everything like that but this is a 90 billion dollar enterprise that almost went under in two days right (laughs) and so uh that that was my you know that was my topic it still is one that i'm very, very interested in given the importance of that technology to, you know, the future revolution of AI and, in, in, you know, in all that we do. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's got to be some other story going on behind the scenes that we just don't know quite everything about yet. Oh, there is. And it will, I'm sure, I'm sure it will come out at some point, like because yeah. there has to be some sort of deeper. I, I don't know if it's necessarily darker or just some kind of some kind of something happening behind the scenes that led to all of this. And I, the like, you want to talk about a complete like, you know, one eighty backlash to any story I've ever seen <laughs> is, I like seeing the pop up alerts on my phone like Sam Altman out, you know, right. as, yeah, as yeah. CEO mm-hmm. of OpenAI, yeah. and then like the next day like Sam Altman hired on by Microsoft. <laughs> the next day, no, Sam Altman day, back. We're at, talking hours. Yeah, Sam you know, Altman back at like OpenAI, and you're just yeah. like, what? Like it's one of those <laughs> things. Like I hadn't even had a chance to read the first article, and there's already something new going on. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but I have a no, feeling there's, there's no. going to be an. Inter- it's one of those stories that's probably going to make for a fascinating miniseries or movie one of these days. Exactly. To me, it's refreshing to see, as Hanif said, you hear you have this most innovative organization that is at, at, at the crest of yeah, the most talked of, about technology exactly. of the year by far. It, it's good to see that there's a bunch of juvenile playground <laughs> stuff going on in the background, just like all of us normal humans. Yeah, they're just do. as broken as anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just forget the AI. They're just making a lot more money. These are humans doing juvenile things in the background, you know, like, you know, just having whatever. Uh, I think just, the, the three things that I would say came out that's very interesting is, so the rumor is that the the ethical component of it, right, where it seems like they've found some early indications of AGI, which is the whole premise of why they got founded in the first place is because they don't want... Uh, artificial general intelligence to get into the wrong hands. And they've apparently found this early sign that this computer model can uh, do fourth grade math, which is mind boggling and therefore on a path now for true AGI. And 
if that is true, that is reason to, you know, really question who is at the top because that's the whole premise of it. So that could be one theory that's out there. Um, and there was a letter that was written to the to the to the board saying that they've they've caught that wave. The other one is just corporate governance. Like Microsoft invested ten billion in this thing and never got a call that they're firing the CEO. <laughs> like and something about that. How does that happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then and then thirdly, but also probably the most important turning point, which was interesting, was you have all these giants and then the employees were the ones that kind of something like ninety percent right? that were gonna bail. Oh, I yeah, it was higher than that. Yeah, ninety percent of the employees come together and just say like, if you do this one thing, we're out. And yeah. there's <laughs> no company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think those. It's just a fascinating story of many different levels. And um, I, uh, you know, it's obviously in the tech world, it's one that we follow pretty closely. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. really fascinating yeah, stuff, it, no doubt about it's it. It's a story you want to follow, you just don't want to be involved in it. <laughs> like, 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 I, I don't want to be the person making the decision, I don't want to be the person having that decision made against you, So you're telling yeah. me you wouldn't take the, the board if they call you and ask you to be on the board? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I'm sure the salary would look nice, but I'd also in the back of my mind be like, I saw what you did to the last guy, yeah. I don't know I how don't I'm know supposed to be trust a part of you this. at this yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, crazy All right, good stuff. stuff. All yeah. right, Dean, what's second acting with you? Well, I'm going to go back to the James Webb. Uh, it's, it continues to do some fascinating yes, stuff indeed. out there. Just when you thought that, you know, okay, like Jupiter, my story's on Jupiter. Yes. You would think that we know a lot about Jupiter. I mean, it's, you know, a neighbor of sorts. You know, it's only yeah, a few, we, we've been few taking pictures of it. Miles we got, away, we got but... you know, satellites that we've sent out there, zipped around and gotten all this data. Well, we just figured out through the James Webb that there's a jet stream on Jupiter that spans more than 3,000 miles wide and wow. is traveling at roughly 320 miles an hour, which is twice the speed of a Category 5 here on good wow. old Earth. Um, but it was discovered by James Webb. And, and so now the photography uh, of this, and, and it's it, well, the images that I've seen are in black and white, which is which is interesting, but uh, meaning not I would have expected it to be in color. But yeah. anyway, um, you know, even this this big, huge, when they, they can dial it in anywhere. But I love the fact that they're dialing it in on some of our yeah, local yeah, planetary yeah. stuff to take some of these pictures so that scientists can get this even more ridiculously resolution type of imagery. And right, the, right. Oh, oh, by the way, there's this 3,000-mile-wide jet stream that we didn't, you know, In addition to the whole big red spot superstorm thing. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, good stuff that continues to come out of James Webb. Anything wow. that I, whenever I see a headline on James Webb, yep. I'm, like, I'm diving in just to see the pictures and I am what exactly the hell's the going same. on If out they're there. like, new pictures from James Webb, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Like, everything stops. Make, make the click Go check them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's just like, you know, here's a uh, here's a picture of Mars from, you know, that looks just like every other picture I mean, of Mars. Yeah. I'm going to do a check it out. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's stuff. tech connecting with you? All right. So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about all this, you know, amazing technology and, you know, and there's a uh, a, a lot of emerging technology. And, and we also know there's also a lot, a lot of problems with like the the waste of energy oh, and, yeah. and data oh, centers, you know, you know big the, the big conversations, especially were going around when crypto was, you know, mm -hmm. before it started falling apart of running like Norway the, on the amount of energy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All mm -hmm. the energy that's wasting and what, yep. what the energy is required to do all this data mining and stuff like that. Well, apparently there are some plans to try to figure out as, you know, this is one of my favorite types of technology use cases is figuring out how can we take something that's bad about technology mm -hmm. and turn it into something good. All right. And I think I just talked about on a recent episode towards the end of last year about the wind turbines. Yes. Well, here's another ah, interesting example yeah, yeah. of repurposing. So okay. we've got a UK as a planet. It's actually their government working on this idea of how to take data center waste energy, like basically all the energy and heat that's coming heat, out of yeah. data centers mm -hmm. and using it to actually heat homes and heat water for, you know, for actual residential and commercial applications. All right. So Great there's a big tell. conversation going around this. 36 million pounds of money that they're investing in this. and But the hope is that they'll be able to produce, just from a couple data centers they're working on this with, enough heat to, to heat 10,000 homes and 250,000 square meters of commercial space for heating and hot water. That's pretty cool. Uh, apparently the idea is to take this energy and distribute it via what they call plastic and plastic ambient network that mm. reaches out to heat pumps 
It's already apparently being worked on in other places throughout the EU. All right. Um, there was some stuff I saw like in Denmark. So I got a that's data center, this. and then there's some infrastructure you put in. Yep, a little bit of infrastructure. Just some. Again, I, I didn't dive too far yeah, yeah, into yeah, what yeah, the yeah, yeah, plastic yeah. ambient network yep. means, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but basically a way to distribute this heat. And they said it's something between. Uh, they said data centers have a predictable supply of low grade heat between ter- thirty. I'm sorry, twenty to thirty five Celsius, mm-hmm. which is often expelled into the atmosphere. But, mm-hmm. And they're thinking with this project they can start moving this into other places. And again, this isn't the, they're not the first ones to do this. It's the first time that really there's been a lot of government backing behind yeah, it. Yeah, thirty six million pounds. That's but in, a lot. in Dublin, they've been working on this, where a number of public sector buildings are being heated by waste heat from an Amazon data center. Nice. Uh, Facebook has been doing a project in Denmark that's heating nearly seven thousand homes right now. Finland's got a deal going with Microsoft where they're providing waste heat via existing water pipes to three nearby towns and cities. Now, see, the water is the one that I would think would be the I most think that's intuitive, but go ahead. Fantastic, yeah. smart ideas yeah. here. So just, again, a nice practical way of people say, seeing like, hey, technology's got all these amazing use mm-hmm, cases, mm-hmm. but we also know there's a lot of waste that can mm-hmm. happen. You know, as we were just talking about the waste in the apparel market yeah, there. Absolutely. So just the waste of just literally the heat and energy generated just to make all these cool technology and gadgets work. I mean, how about we take some of that and find a way to funnel it to places where people can actually use Especially it. these cold places like Finland. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the UK, where it's like never above 60 degrees. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. as always, go down to your show notes. You can find links to some of these articles and discussion points we've been talking about uh but hey it is time for us to unplug now that we've covered what's tech connecting with us yes hadith brown with fitmatch ai thank you so much for joining us today appreciate Thanks, having you on the show thank you for having me i appreciate it and again if you if you're interested in working with them if you find this technology interesting yep. don't hesitate to reach out we'll be happy to put you in touch and absolutely hopefully find a new just one more new weapon for your arsenal of solutions to go out there and win some business I like it. Uh, and as always folks please stay connected Technic Podcast is brought to you by ELO and the 70 Series Full HD Professional Grade Touch Monitors. The 70 Series delivers professional grade feature rich platforms well suited for POS, interactive digital signage, self service document signing, and more. All right, let's talk some features here. We got a narrow border touchscreen, Energy Star 8.0 certified, scratch resistant surface, durable IK07 design, low blue light and flicker free, touch on screen display, display tilt from 20 to 70 degrees, built in speakers, and a collapsible stand for Visa mounting. Uh, you got it all in this particular device here, the 70 series. It's available in 22, 24, and now 27 inch sizes in black or white housing. The 70 series delivers the quality and reliability you expect from ELO, backed with a standard three year warranty extendable to five years with optional advanced unit replacement. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about these new monitors. This episode of the Tech Night Podcast is brought to you by Intel. Intel has cleared a path forward to AI everywhere for those using AI to take on daily business challenges. Retail shopping is tedious with long lines caused by coupon scanning, forgotten items, and associates still physically counting stock. Manufacturing still relies on so many manual processors, worker safety is at risk, and finished product quality control is subjective. But today's business can rise above these challenges by harnessing AI to fuel improved outcomes. Shopping, for instance, becomes a rich experience personalized to preferences and previous history. Retailers use intelligent inventory workflows and gain near real-time insights about inventory and sales trends. Robust security measures ensure secure payments and data protection from the point of sale to the cloud. In manufacturing, AI helps automate, improve defect detection, machine condition monitoring, work order management, worker safety, situation monitoring, and quality assurance. What can AI do for your customer's business? Where they need it, Intel AI is ready, optimized, and flexible to meet their needs with edge-enabled technologies backed by the Intel ecosystem. Greater controls, streamlined operations, increased productivity, and competitive advantages are all possible with Intel AI. Check out the link in the show notes or contact your Intel partner to learn more.